Hello, my name is Manesh Patel, and I'm the sector lead for U.S. Leverage Finance, and welcome to another episode of the Upgrade Podcast. Today, I'm lucky to be joined in the studio with Hannah Zhang, who's the Director of Leverage Finance and Recovery at S&P Global Ratings. Hannah, welcome to the show. Hi, Manesh. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on the show. So you recently published your latest iteration of the U.S. Leverage Finance Quarterly Update titled Corporate Borrowers Brace for a Slow Growth Recession. So maybe we could just start off by telling the audience, what are the key insights you regularly provide in your quarterly update? In each report, we have explored a different topic. Last quarter, we looked at B-rated companies and their capacity to generate free operating cash flow. Whereas in the report before, we discussed interest coverage. In late 2020, when things were slowly improving from the worst days of the pandemic, we started tracking the leverage and EBITDA trends of SPAC rate companies in the U.S. and Canada, broken down by industry and rating. In this report, we expanded the scope to include interest coverage and free operating cash flow to debt, given the strong interest we see. As investors are trying to grasp the rating implication of surging interest payment amid a slowing economy. The sample presented in this report consists of a thousand plus public and private SPAC rate companies. It's a static pool that we follow through each quarter. We believe that by fixing the issuer mix, we avoid the noise of companies coming in and out of the sample in different quarters. Yeah, no, it's it's a very popular report, and I think it, you can really clearly look through the underlying credit trends by having this um, static pool. And so what, what are some of the top uh, two or three key observations from this quarterly report? Sure, I'm happy to share. We still see top-line revenue growth. So the real story is what happened to earnings. Sadly, we're seeing more cases where margins were down despite higher revenues. Of the total sample, quarter-over-quarter EBITDA growth is about 2.8% in Q1 2022. That's the EBITDA on the last 12 months basis. So it's the delta between 2021 and the 12 months period ended on March 31st, 2022. It's still a positive number meaning EBITDA is still growing, but it's the slowest growth we've seen thus far. It fell for the third consecutive quarter since its peak around mid-2021. So margin erosions have manifested in recent quarters. They manifested differently at different types of companies. Declines were persistent and acute in the consumer product sector. It actually, The sector actually had a contraction in Q1. And not to our surprise, this is a sector with profit margins most squeezed by inflation and the supply chain bottlenecks. Then on the other side, commodity sectors, including oil and gas and metal and mining, continued strong growth momentum. EBITDA expansion have been in the double digits every quarter. Interesting. Yeah, we're always kind of waiting for that second shoe to drop. And I guess we, we also get a lot of questions about interest coverage, given the rising interest rate environment. What have you seen in the data? On the aggregate, is still at a relatively healthy level of over three times. So the impact of higher interest payments 
has yet to hit the last 12 months measure of EBITDA interest coverage as of the first quarter this year. Even for the B minus rated companies, the median last 12 months interest coverage have been quite stable at just below two times for the past few quarters. In the report, we go into more details about the B minus companies. Uh, in general, we expect the rapidly rising benchmarks and the widening credit spreads to buy deeper in 2023. But still, I want to highlight here that two sectors stand out. Uh, they are healthcare and technology. Both are the most levered and hence the weakest in interest coverage. To maintain the same coverage level in a slow growth recession environment, they have to deliver more EBITDA gain, which will be challenging. Thank you. And we're, we're just over halfway through the uh, Q2 earnings season. So, you know, as you look forward, what, what credit measures are you, you most focused on with uh, Q2 results? We focus a lot on cash flow in past few reports. One reason is that when you compare it to headline leverage or interest coverage, we found issuers are much weaker on this credit measure. By the end of first quarter, over half of the B-minus companies were reporting negative free operating cash flow on a last 12-month basis. And we'd like to know that not all CapEx is scalable. Also, interest costs keep rising fast, so liquidity risks are increasing. Furthermore, in a recession scenario, liquidity could be constrained by the springing financial maintenance covenant on the revolvers. Yeah, that 50% number always makes me scratch my head. And, and I, I would say probably the number one question we get from investors is what does the B-minus transition look like? And actually, you provided some really key insights on the factors that drove um, downgrades in the triple C category. And maybe you, could you summarize some of the key takeaways for the audience? Sure, I'm happy to. We receive a lot of questions on B minus downgrade risk. 14 issuers were lowered into triple C in Q2. 13 of them were from B minus. They were primarily driven by three factors, as we lay out in the report. Looming debt maturity is unsurprisingly the top driver. Refinancing is much tougher today, as we all know, for highly leveraged B minus companies for them to refinance at affordable rates. The second most common driver was the inability to pass through higher costs or delays in doing so. Companies in this category quoted persistent inflationary pressure. These companies typically already had thin margin before cost surge, so their margins were inflated away. Also, they tend to be the smaller players in the industry, having little pricing power. The last one is shifting consumer preferences. Company in this bucket has uh, tend to have a business model that's highly dependent on traditional service offerings. Perhaps also telling is of B minus companies that we assigned negative outlook uh, in the study, we found that there's uh, a consistent pattern. So other than exceptionally high leverage, uh, they share a pattern of persistent negative cash flow, which we don't expect them to improve. So they are not able to self-fund uh, future growth, and also they lack sufficient cash cushion. Great. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. This persistent negative cash flow and, and any type of liquidity walls are, are, are always big challenges for B-minus companies. 
Hannah, thank you so much for making time to join us on the show today. Could you just leave with uh, telling people um, how they can contact you and maybe get a complimentary copy of the research report? Sure. A link to the report and my contact information will be distributed along with this podcast. The article is available on both the Capital IQ and S&P Global website under the Leverage Finance and High Yield section. Also, please reach out to me if you have trouble finding it or have any questions about the report. Thanks, Hannah, for being on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. 